Good morning, church. Welcome to everyone here on, in the uh, sanctuary, and welcome to all those millions watching online. Uh, this is the Groveport United Methodist Church, and for better or for worse, probably the latter. I am your liturgist today, Brad Lewis, because Andrew Nimely uh, needed to uh, take a trip to Chicago uh, for family reasons. have several announcements to get us started today. First of all, the upper room for July and August is available on the welcome table in the back of the sanctuary. The Methodist men will be assisting with Father's Day Sunday service, and they are encouraging all men to wear your Hawaiian or brightly colored shirts in recognition of uh, fathers. Uh, the men will also be having a concession stand during the Groveport Fourth of July parade which I believe, ironically, is on July 4th this year. Is that true? <clears throat> kind of odd there. So keep that in mind. We would appreciate your help, and all proceeds will go to the General Church Fund. And please see Ron Lee if you have any questions. Um, the next Lillian Faith meeting will be Tuesday, June 13th. So that's this coming Tuesday at 10 a.m. Uh, June is the month our church is responsible for the food pantry. That will be June 15th and June uh, 22nd. And uh, see Andrew for details about that. Free Friday is June 16th. Uh, volunteers are always needed and welcome. Uh, please see Susan Stauffer for that if you have any questions. Uh, we will be providing a meal at Claire on Sunday, June 24th as part of our Feeding His uh, Children program. And please keep in mind that any pledges or payments to the Liberian Scholarship Fund are due in early July. <clears throat> also, we'll be having a fiesta <laughs> Sunday, June 25th, following worship to celebrate the Mann family on their last Sunday at Groveport Church. And just to clarify, just to clarify, this isn't a celebration because they're leaving. It's a celebration because we were happy they were here. So I wanted to disrupt any confusion there. So with that, any other announcements that need to be made? Then I ask you all to soften your hearts and open your minds and join us in worship.
The call to worship today comes from Joel 2, chapters 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pull out, pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Please join me for the congregational prayer. Our Lord Jesus Christ, true, your spirit is poured out among your people. From the pages of scripture, we see your work miracles and bring the lost to the Father. In our worship today, your spirit is present and at work once again. Amaze our hearts with your power and goodness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, church. It's great to be in worship with you. Great to be with joining you with all those that are joining online. Hello to you as well, and thanks for being part of our service. We're going to be spending some time going to the Lord in a time of prayer. Uh, do want to just always, as we mentioned, do want to just remind you that if you have a prayer request, you can send it in through the email. It's at prayer at groveportumc.org. So please on send it. We have a prayer team that would love to pray for your prayer request and uh, keep you in our hearts and minds. Do want to just uh, turn your, also your attention to the bulletin where we have printed many of our praises and prayer concerns for the week. I uh, do want to lift up, uh, first of all, a couple of praises. Uh, my understanding is that uh, Katie Cordell and Dakota Harmon got married yesterday, so congratulations to them. And uh, we're excited for it, so congratulations, and our hearts are with you here in the, in the Cordell family as well. Do want to also mention, uh, I heard rumor that uh, uh, Lise Pickett may have gotten engaged. Is that correct? I understand that's correct. Yeah, all right. So that is true. I didn't know it was a rumor. So Lise, congrats to you as well. Uh, we're so thankful for that and uh, uh, just grateful for that as well. Do want to mention to you, uh, as we see Printer Bolton, other uh, prayer concerns we have for the week. We do, of course, want to send our sympathies. Uh, we do want to lift up uh, the family of Larry Flowers, who lost... Uh, his brother, Terry, and so we would want to lift up uh, their family here today. We also do have our prayer concerns that are listed there. Uh, of course, we want to continue to pray for those that are here and all that's going on in their life. Uh, one that came in after the printing of the bulletin was that Bill Hobart will be having a bypass surgery, so we do want to lift him up. I believe that date was uh, late June, so it was like June 29th, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head. Uh, I do also want to pray. Um, this is kind of a praise and a prayer concern mixed, but uh, as we've been praying a lot for Mabel Jusu, Magnus's wife to come over. Uh, I believe it's this week. Magnus, I didn't get to confirm with you this morning, right? But June, it was always June 15th is the date of, yeah, okay, just making sure they haven't changed it on us. But June 15th, which is this week, she goes up for the visa interview. Now, just a reminder, this is like the very end process. Like, she can buy a plane ticket after this process. So if everything goes well, we're at the very final stages, and uh, we may see her soon. So Magnus, uh, we'll be praying for Mabel and you this week, and uh, I'll just, I just remind you, yes, ma'am, as you wish, dear. You just need to get those back in your repertoire there pretty soon here. You need to have those ready, ready to go. Uh, you see our other prayer concerns that are listed there. Of course, we continue to lift them up, as well as those in long-term care. Uh, so we pray for Evelyn, Anna, Jack, Carol, Annabelle, Charlotte, Bet, Reverend Meredith, and Kay. We also pray for those in active military service, and so we pray for Jake, Nicole, Bishop, Brandon, Parker, Justin, and James as well. 
Uh, as always, the altar rail is open to you, so you're welcome to come up this morning and to uh, uh, have some time with the Lord. As always, maybe a friend or two come alongside you, place their hand upon you, let you know that you don't come here to this altar alone. Let's now go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Our gracious and heavenly Lord, we're thankful once again to be in this place, to be in this country, to be in this very spot here in Groveport, Ohio. That God, many faithful Christians before us have made this a sacred space, that have built these windows, built this steeple, built this building to honor you. And God, as we're here today, we again pass on that great message that's been passed on to us. And we pray, Lord, that it would consume our hearts once again that all of our minds would be renewed by the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth and dying on the cross for our sins, being raised to life again and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which has empowered your church for centuries. Lord, again, as we're here today, we come to meet with you, not only because you're the Lord of our life, but because, Lord, you've called your people to gather together to remember these stories, to, to upbuild each other and to spur each other on into acts of goodness to once again come and be a family together. As so the guys we're here today, we give you thanks for all these things. And we ask, Lord, you to come and to meet us in all the times that we need, especially, Lord, for those who are hurting this day. We pray especially, Lord, a special prayer for those who are mourning the loss of loved ones, who grieve. We give celebration for all the good things that are going on in our life, whether it's through graduations of young people and seeing their dreams come true, whether it's uh, the weddings that take place, whether it's just people's lives coming together. Lord, we're thankful for all these things and we celebrate with them. God, we also just pray a special blessing upon those who are sick, those who are just to have upcoming surgeries or those who are recovering from procedures. May again bring healing to their bodies. God, we, of course, always pray for those who are lonely and lost and depressed. 
We pray for those who have broken relationships. We pray for those who are far apart from each other and far apart from their families. We pray, Lord, for those, Lord, who are, are military or first responders. May you bring them home safely to their families. May you give wisdom to the world's leaders and our local leaders as well. And God, as we're here, Lord, we come and we ask you to bless those that come to this altar. Lord, whether it's through many times through heartache, but also through times of celebration and anticipation, Lord, we come and we celebrate the goodness of what you've done. That God, after many years of tribulation and toil, that you're bringing families back together. Thank you, God, for being the God of reconciliation, and thank you for letting us be part of that. Bless these families, Lord. Those prayer, prayer, prayer requests that come here today, Lord, we continue to lift them up and always, again, put them into your hands. Finally, God, we pray for your church and we pray for ourselves to always yearn and strive after you and to strive after your will for us and to become more like Jesus Christ each and every day. Finally, God, we pray that prayer that marks us as your followers. And so we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I will dismiss the youth for junior church. You may have noticed in the bulletin today, there is a new uh, section uh, entitled Fruits of the Faith, which uh, chronicles the uh, offering for the week, preceding week, and that week's expenses. So you may notice that um, the expenses are a little higher than the uh, income for last week. You've heard of all the uh, missions this church performs in our announcements, whether it's uh, Lily and Faith or Feeding Families of Claire, um, helping with backpack ministries, helping with Free Friday. All those missions have two things in common. They are all biblically based. They are all in place to help the poor, the widows, the orphans, and the needy. The second thing they have in common is that they do all take money to operate. So while we would certainly appreciate any uh, extra donations you could make, there's one thing we would even appreciate more, and that's because the Bible also tells us to go out and make disciples. So if you could invite someone to church, that would be a great thing for you and for us. And it's not as hard as you think. So invite some people to church. With that, I'll call the stewards forward for our offering.
most benefit your mission and your will. Amen. Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who taught the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? spins things in orbit, runs to the weary, the worn and the weak, and the same gentle hand that holds me when I'm broken, they conquer death to bring the victory. Our scripture passage today is from Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. 
He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So ends the reading of the word. Good morning, church. And hello to those joining online. Welcome to our service here today as we jump in once again to the scripture and see what the Lord has for us. And uh, as I've been mentioning a couple of times uh, throughout this sermon series, if you can call it such, uh, the only glue that holds it together is I just like these passages and I wanted to preach on them before I left here. So thank you for being with us and entertaining this uh, passage uh, as we uh, go through. Um, let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the sermon is entitled today, Twin Boats, which if you're paying attention in our scripture today, you're probably wondering, there's only one boat, Pastor, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I am the father of twins, as you know, so anytime I get to title something Twin Boats, it's exciting, but it'll make a lot more sense here in a minute. Just hold tight with me for just a bit here. Well, I've been mentioning, as I said before, that some of my favorite uh, passages to be preaching on, and uh, this is certainly one of them. Uh, and of course, it's just simply called Jesus Calms a Storm. And you can just imagine, I mean, this, this lake, we call it the sea, but really it's this giant, huge lake. And it's only the, the only fresh body of water actually on that, this area of the geography of Israel. And so as you're like actually the Eastern Mediterranean, even, it's, just, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And when you get there, it's, a, it's just, you can see out, you can see the other side, but it's way off in the distance, right? And uh, if you ever go there or see pictures of it, it's quite amazing. But um, my understanding is the waves, you know, it's deep enough and there's enough wind and enough area that the waves on this lake can get about like five feet, right? So now you're not talking like ocean-worthy vessels of fishing boats, right? These are just like your granddad's fishing boat, you know, that little dinky thing you put on the water you thought was going to sink all the time. Right? You took you fishing and you're like, oh, please, Lord, let me live. I don't want to sink to the bottom of this lake or this pond or whatever, right? Think that kind of boat, right? And so you got, of course, the disciples and all this, that Jesus is going with them and they're going across. And, um, you know, it's funny as you compare different passages in the Gospels, but uh, when this, this story is told, it says that, you know, Jesus was sleeping on a pillow in one of the other passages. And I've always thought, if I owned a pillow company, this would be my marketing strategy is to take this and be like, yeah, Jesus likes my pillow on this. Anyway, but he's sleeping on the boat, right, in the middle of a storm. And you just think, how do you do that? But Jesus, you know, must have been tired or he was just totally calm and reserved or something. But he's sleeping through the storm. It's swamping the boat. The disciples are bailing it out. They're, they're having all these things go on. And of course, remember the rest of the story, right? He, they wake him up and they're like, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. You know, and Jesus, first of all, rebukes them, right? And then he's, he is one, Luke, it actually says, he got up and he says, peace be still, right? <laughs> Which is always funny because in the South, if you don't know this, ladies in the South will sometimes just stand up and go, whenever you're just causing a ruckus, they go, peace be still. Like, this is where it comes from, right? This is funny, because if you've never had, if you've never been peace be stilled by a Southern lady, let me tell you, you haven't truly lived. It's great times. But uh, so this happens in the South for you Ohioans occasionally, you know, now, now that kind of people move around a lot, it's a lot less like that probably. But at least when I was growing up, you'd still have that. And it's amazing because you think about this verse and you think about the end of it, right? When he calms the waves in the storm, the wind and the waves, the disciples go, what kind of man is this, right? Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, 
of course, the story, I just want to focus on it just real quickly, and then I'm going to move on here. But the truth is, is Jesus has command of even nature itself. You know, what kind of man is this? And that question is exactly when you're reading the Gospels, you know, think about reading it for the first time or hearing the story for the first time. You've heard all this part up to this, and all of a sudden you hear, wait a minute. This guy has power over, like, the weather? Holy moly, who is this guy, right? And so the very question the disciples are asking, you should be asking too, right, as you read through this, and as a reader, if you have it with those fresh set of eyes. And of course, part of the other preaching of this passage is the idea that Jesus is greater than any of your troubles, right? Any storm that's coming along, he's not afraid of it. The wind and waves obey him. He can just say, peace be still, and silence it. But he's in the boat with you. The boat's not sinking because he's in it with you. So even if the storm keeps raging, be okay with the storm because Jesus is in the boat with you, right? And that's, of course, one of the great passages. Now, what I love about this passage, though, is the twin boat idea. Because sometimes when you read Scripture, if you're in even the same you know, book, you'll notice that all of a sudden, in a few chapters later, another story comes up. And it has a whole lot of details, like the story that happened before. And you go, huh. But then some of the details are a little different, and thus we get the twin boat idea, and that's why I love these passages so much, because there's another story in the Gospel of Matthew that happens. So this story I just told you happens in Matthew chapter 8, but the story I want to tell you now happens in Matthew chapter 14. And in Matthew chapter 14, you may remember this, but Jesus has just fed the 5,000, right, the great multitudes, and they've done this, and they've had all the bread and fishes. He says, all right, you know, most people would sit there and let everybody, you know, have a good time and, and then, you know, start hurrahing him as king and all this different stuff. Well, Jesus says, ah, we're going to peace out. Disciples get in the boat. Go ahead and go across the lake. I'm going to meet you on the other side. He goes up on the mountain to pray and get away from everybody and like to be with the Lord. Now, of course, the backstory before that was he just heard John the Baptist had died. And so he withdrew to a lonely place and all the people needed Jesus so badly. They came and found him in the lowly place. And that's when the, the feeding of the 5,000 happens. And so he withdraws once again to go be with the Lord. And you can, you can tell, like, he's still kind of, you know, there's still this element of him that's probably mourning the death of John the Baptist after he's heard this message. And so he sent his disciples even to go ahead of him and start making camp across the sea, or, the, you know, the lake, as we would call it, but the sea is Galilee, as the scripture calls it. And in this story, of course, what happens is, is it comes pretty late in the evening, and the, boat, the disciples are still going, and it says that the wind and waves rose up against and were buffeting against the boat. And so you can imagine Jesus kind of looking off on his lonely place, looking out, on, looking down, and just seeing his disciples just flourishing and sinking once again. Wind and waves. Again, little fisherman boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee when you're not supposed to be on the Sea of Galilee, and they're, they're in some trouble, right? And the things are not going so hot. And it says on this, you remember this story, what happens, and this time, Jesus comes to them, but instead of rowing the boat, he's walking on water, Right? <laughs> When, I mean, just, just picture lightning and wind and waves, and like this is the crazy thing in my head, and then all of a sudden there's just Jesus walking on water, right? <laughs> right? And I don't know if he, he literally like surfed the waves or like the waves, you know, like come up and down or how that worked exactly, but he's walking and the disciples see him, and you know, at first they think he's a ghost because who in the world is out on the lake in the middle of the night and, you know, doing these things? And it's Jesus, and you remember he tells him, he says, hey, it's I, be not afraid, right? He calms him down. And then, of course, you remember the story. The disciples all look at Jesus, and they're like, oh my gosh. And then Peter, out of all of them, says, hey, this looks pretty fun, right? And he says, hey, call me out. Lord, if it's really you, call me too. And Jesus says, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> and what does Peter do? He just jumps right out of the boat, right? And he starts walking on the water. 
until he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks down and realizes how much trouble he's in if Jesus doesn't let him. And he ends up starting to sink, and Jesus has to grab him, pull him out, right? You get back in the boat, right? And there's this whole story about what Jesus says, you know, why did you doubt, right? To him once again. Now, of course, the other thing about this is that ends with that story. Once they all get back in the boat, they, it says the disciples, they didn't say, what kind of man is this like they did before in chapter 8? They say these words, truly you are the Son of God. They bow down to him. And what I love about these stories is the twin boats, because, of course, you see some progression here in the disciples' lives. You see some progression in the way Jesus is interacting with them and doing different things. First time he's in the boat. Second time he's not even in the boat, but he comes to them in their tower of need. And of course, this story should remind us, hey, you know, Jesus is not only what kind of man is this, but truly Jesus is the Son of God that can do these different things and even empower his followers to do such things. But the part that I really wanted to focus on here today and why I really chose these passages for us this morning is the idea of discipleship, right? If you really think about these two passages together and just the similarities that are there, they're obviously your mind is supposed to kind of compare and contrast them to some degree. You see how Jesus has brought these disciples and led them along to something greater than they were before, right? Before they were ended with what kind of man is this? This time they end with truly you are the son of God. And not only that, but they have Peter walking on water just like Jesus, right? Don't miss that part of it. I mean, it's amazing to think Jesus has now empowered his followers such that they're at the point where they can almost walk on water, right? Just by looking at him and coming to him. I have, as you know, a dog. I should say I have a puppy, right? Our family has adopted a puppy. I mentioned this before. Now, any of you have raised puppies? And I'm not talking you adopted like an old dog. I'm talking like you've had it from like puppydom, right? Lord knows how many shoes we've all lost, right? At that point. But... You know, one of the things about getting a puppy is you understand it's not going to stay a puppy forever. Now, there's a part of you that thinks, oh, they're so cute. Now, God makes them cute so that you don't throw them out the door. That's why they're so cute, right? Because, right? because otherwise, there's no way any of us would ever keep a dog like the puppy because a puppy is trouble, right? I mean, just think about how much trouble the puppy is, right? I mean, we have a puppy, and uh, let me tell you, our lives got flipped upside down. We, I like to say we, we used to have a new house, Right? Right? We used to. It's not anymore. It's, it's been broken in because the dog has broken it in, right? And, you know, the dog has no clue what everything is, has to explore everything. Has to, and, of course, dogs, what they do, they have to bite it and chew on it. That tells them what it is, right? And so they have to sniff it and do all these things. So the dog is taking everything. There's nothing, there's no place sacred that you can have and say, no, dog, don't touch this, right? The dog wants to chew the basket. The dog wants to chew the table. The dog wants to chew the, the, the you know, we have a, a little bench. The dog's chewing the bench, right? I mean, like, the dog is chewing and chewing and chewing and exploring everything. And then also, of course, uh, as you know, as puppies don't have all total control of their body. Now, he's learning. He's getting better. But let's say an accident or just he's trying to spite us a couple times when he gets in trouble, right, happens in our house. He doesn't even know his name, right? You can yell, dog, Hobbs. You can yell, McGruffins. You can yell, Striper. You can yell, all snow. You can yell whatever you want. The dog's like, person's yelling at me, right? I has no idea, right? Now, he is learning because there is a, a certain tone in my voice that's getting hobs, right? That he, he knows he's in trouble, right? So he's, he's got the tone down more than the name, I think, at this point, but he is learning a little bit. Um, he's learning the rules of the house, you know, what's his, what's not, where do you sleep, where do you not sleep, what do you jump on, right? And, I, and, and you know, I've, I've raised hound dogs before, and so I know it's too good to, like, when it comes to food, it's 
all bets are off. There's no training the dog because the dog's going to try to eat the food. That's just how hound dogs are. But, you know, everything else, you know, you're trying to train it. Like, here's how we go outside. Here's where we walk. Here's where we do things. Here's what we bark at. Here's what we don't bark at. Here's what we do. And so you're trying to teach all these different things to the dog. And, of course, there's that idea of building trust where the puppy innately knows it needs you, but it still has to learn to trust you, right? Now, they're so darn cute. And that's why you have the puppy. Otherwise, you don't want the puppy, right? You know what I'm saying? God made them cute for a reason. But I don't want the puppy to stay a puppy. You know what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying, church? I don't want the puppy to stay a puppy. It's cute. But this phase needs to end at some point, right? I have bigger aspirations for this dog than the current situation that the dog is in, right? I want this dog to have an idea what everything is, what is going to harm it, what isn't, right? When it sees a bee, I don't want it to go chomping at it like it tries to do right now, right? I don't want it to, to chase after every snake that may come in our yard or just go running up to any dog that comes in the neighborhood because we do have coyotes out by us, by the way. You know, I want it to know about when it goes to the potty and when it doesn't and how where it should go and all those different things. I want it to know how much water to drink and not to drink so it doesn't have to go potty all the time. I want it to know its name so that when I say, hey, Hobbs, come here, it goes, hey, okay. Right? I want it to know these things. I want it to know the rules of the house and what stuffies are its and what stuffies are the kids and do not touch those stuffies, right? And especially shoes and socks because those are a high commodity at the house right now. And of course, I want it to know so much trust that it just innately is almost like my right hand to where when I get up and walk around or do whatever, if it comes with me, it knows exactly what I'm doing. So it doesn't keep stepping in front of me that I keep tripping over it, right? Or it knows exactly what, how to be out of the way or who, how to protect and all those different things or how to treat the kids and how not to rake its nails because every puppy just wants to just get in your face and rake your nails across the face, right? All these different things it's got to learn and I want it to learn. I don't want it to stay that way because that would be just exhausting and it won't stay cute forever, right? I want it to grow up and mature. And in fact, it's a joy to watch that dog grow up and learn its ways and become part of your family in such a deep way where it's just an extension of your family to where it knows and loves every single thing about it. Now, of course, I'm not only a dog, a puppy parent. I'm the parent and dad of twins. So it's the same thing. They're so cute for a reason, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, we'd never, they'd never stay in the house, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they are cute for a reason, right? And, and you love them to death and all these different things, right? And it's the same for kids, right? You want them and you love them, but you, you don't want them to stay like this forever. You want to see them have hopes and dreams and grow up and to be able to, to have the, the withdrawal, the ability of their own mind and spirit and body to go out and do those things and to accomplish those tasks that just set in their heart that they want to do and to go find their way in life and to even overcome their own troubles and to even help other people. You want to, you want to see them grow up, right? You want to see them mature. You want them to mature to their fullness. Well, as I look at these twin boat stories, I think it's pretty clear the same is true with us and God. We may be cute for a reason, right? God wants us to grow up, right? The idea of staying in your baby diapers, if you will, as a Christian is not the plan. In fact, you know, as we look at Scripture and we look at sort of the timestamps of kings and different things like that, we look at sort of, in, especially in the Gospel of John, the different 
celebrations and holy days and things like that that are mentioned, it looks like Jesus spent about three years with his disciples, training them, right? Just think about that. He wanted them to be mature. As we saw in this picture, he's taken them from before where it was simply ended with, what kind of guy is this? Holy moly. You know, we got a, we got a ringer in our corner to, this is the son of God. Like, abandon all else. Follow this guy, right? This is truly the son of God of God. We want to grow up and mature. And of course, as Christians, we understand what maturity looks like. It looks like becoming like Jesus Christ. And sometimes, yeah, that even means doing some miraculous things. Like you saw Peter walking on water. More often than not, it really means following his character and his life and pursuing whatever means we can to love others like he loved, to show grace and gratitude on all the ways that he did, to show an outreach strand even to our enemies like he did. And to once again, Never be complacent in our growing with Christ and God. And we can sometimes share those miraculous moments, but God wants us to not be a puppy, right? In the twin boats, he welcomed Peter, walking on the water. He's not afraid to share his power with us. He's not afraid to have us do amazing things and truly to live and be Jesus the representation of Jesus on this earth. But in order to do so, you got to be under his lordship. And what does that mean? It means you got to do what he says, right? When Jesus teaches us and like the Beatitudes, here's how I want you to live. You got to put it into practice, right? You can't just let it go in one ear and out the other. You got to actually do it. And then the second thing is this, is you have to have that faith, which is trust in him and him alone and nothing else. Can't always promise where that ends up. You know, the disciples sometimes had good days, sometimes had bad. Sometimes they were successes, sometimes they were failures. They struggled like you and I do. But just think, those 12 people, one even betrayed them. So the 11 people set the world on fire. Because God discipled them and matured them. And he wants to do the same for you and for I. First, you have to well, not understand it, you have to crave it, and the second thing is you have to actually live it and do it, just like the disciples did. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for this scripture, and God, it's amazing to think that you love us, yes, but you love us so much, you want us to be made into your image, and that God, you have just this, this plan for our lives that, Lord, you keep setting into motion, and Sometimes we're on board with it, and sometimes we're not. But Lord, if we're following you, and even those times we mess up, you take and you turn for good. And Lord, you keep maturing us and helping us be better disciples, helping us be more like Jesus Christ, helping us love others deeper than we have before, helping us, Lord, once again, reach out to a hurting world, and especially those who are sick and hungry and hurting or just been left behind, Lord, and reaching out and offering that hand. And God, yes, even walking alongside other people that are trying their best to live their life in you, sharing what knowledge we know, encouraging and mentoring, just like you discipled your disciples. So Lord, you called us to even disciple each other. God, as we've looked at these stories and once again look at what you're calling us to be, we pray that our hearts would never be satisfied with remaining like a puppy. And that, God, you give us that yearning to keep on jumping out of the boat and following you.
wherever you would lead us, and trusting in your power and your care. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I'll confess that I've uh, tried to prepare myself for this moment, but this is the last time I will share communion with you. It's not time to say goodbye yet, but I just simply want to say I love you very much, all of you. I hope you feel that and know that. As we gather as a church, we remember that on the night which Christ gave himself up for us, he took bread and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, take, drink. This is my cup of my new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us. May it be upon these gifts of bread and wine that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, and that in taking them we may be the body of Christ given for this world. Lord, by your Spirit, make us one with each other, one with you, and one in ministry to all the world, until at last we feast at his heavenly banquet. All glory and power is yours, Almighty Father now and forever, and with you and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory and praise. Amen. When I invite the community stewards to come forward at this time, uh, as they do, a couple reminders. Uh, first of all, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of this denomination. If you want to come and experience Jesus Christ, you're welcome to come and meet with him today. Do also just want to let you know, uh, you can come and simply take a piece of the bread, and it uh, looks like we might need two more stewards. If anybody just wants to pop up and come on up, you can be a steward for this morning. All right, thank you so much. Uh, just simply come up. You can take a piece of the bread, rip it off. You just dip it into the cup and then take, eat it that way. Uh, also, there are some uh, communion uh, sets uh, there on the table in the back if you so choose. Uh, you're welcome to grab those. And again, they're kind of individual sets. So if you uh, choose to take communion that way, you're welcome to do that too. We'll start in the back and then come forward down the center aisles and return on the outside. Let's now uh, prepare the table, and you're welcome to come.
And let us pray. Lord, thank you for proving your love toward us again. Amen. with us here today. Thank you again online for those who joined us. Uh, reminder, and you guys at home can do this too. Uh, next week is uh, Father's Day service. We're going to have Hawaiian shirts for the men of the church. So I'm saying you wear it at home too. It's all good. And uh, we'll be having that just a reminder for that. And uh, we'll see what your pastor comes up with. I need to go find a Hawaiian shirt this week. So uh, as we go... Oh, do you? Okay. Well, then hook me up. Hook me up, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what Terry comes up with. I don't know. Something fun here next week. We'll have a good time with that. But uh, let's go and let's hear this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his counts upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Really?